This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Where you look affects how you feel. This is a good way to understand brain spotting. When using brain spotting, a person can identify internal sensations or emotions by focusing on specific spots in their visual field, a targeted mindfulness that helps them identify tension in their bodies and connect those sensations or emotions to a specific spot in their visual field. Through brain spotting, New neural pathways are created over time, so the spot triggering these feelings no longer triggers these feelings. The brain spotting method enables the body to utilize its natural healing mechanisms by enabling it to self-scan itself in order to access areas of the brain where trauma is stored. This type of process can alleviate symptoms such as anxiety, depression, and physical pain. Brain spotting can also benefit anyone with feelings that might be holding them back in their career, artists, and creatives and athletes. Valeria interviews Maria Javid Payne. She is a licensed independent clinical social worker, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, certified brain spotting trainer and consultant, and a Minnesota board-approved supervisor. She is currently the owner of Awaken Consulting Services, a private practice where she offers therapy intensives, as well as trainings and consultation. She has a history of serving as co-owner and chief clinical officer at the Institute for Integrative Therapies, a psychedelic-assisted therapy clinic, as well as the director of behavioral health at a federally qualified health center, and has led a team of therapists, psychiatrists, and social workers to provide trauma-responsive, anti-oppressive counseling and addiction therapies for the last six years. She also offers therapy intensives for complex PTSD and addictions, as well as consulting services on the topics of race, addictions, and trauma at Awaken Consulting Services. Most recently, she has begun utilizing psychedelic medicines such as ketamine to help people heal from trauma and other mental health concerns. Her 13 years of experience have focused on clients with addictions, medication-assisted treatment therapies, complex and developmental trauma, racial trauma, oppression, spirituality, and chronic pain. Meet Maria at awakenconsultingservices.com. Here's the interview with Maria Javid Payne. In your own words, who is Mari Chavet Payne? I am a being on a quest for self-realization and healing and to bring healing to others and very natural, spiritual and uh, brain and body based scientific ways. Um, I think I'm a person who is blending science and spirit together to help people. And I think at my core, I'm a teacher. And that's something that I'm still stepping into. But I feel very called to use my voice and my presence to help people find healing within themselves and in their lineages and in society as a whole. 
That's truly beautiful and needed, very much needed. Wow, I love all that. <laughs> Then I already have some questions about what you said, the way you introduced yourself. What is self-realization? What, what, how would you describe what, what that is? I think self-realization is intimately getting to know the intricacies of your own mind and your heart and your spirit and how we are put together. And once we do that, we have agency to make different choices if we choose to. And it also affects how we realize the world around us. So I would say that it's a form of um, self-inquiry and self-presencing. Yeah. Would you describe what spirituality is in the same way? What is to be spiritual? Yeah, I think so. And I, I would add that spirituality, you know, takes us into understanding of our own self in the grand cosmic scheme of, mm -hmm. of who are we in relationship to the world around us and how the world that is around us is actually also within us, that it's a, a dual relationship. Yes. Uh, yes, that's beautiful, though. It's so true. The relationship connections, that is what makes this reality very interesting, fascinating, of course, the experience of that, but also very challenging to relate, right, to things or people that we are, that we are resisting for some reason, that we see it as not healthy, per se, or beneficial for the whole. So I guess I would love to ask you that question. How do we learn to integrate that inner wisdom that we find through self-realization and spirituality with this felt understanding that everything is connected, that there's no separation really from us and the other or anything else? I think, uh, well, first of all, I, I tell my clients that being on, being on earth is a PhD level. <laughs> yes. Course. Yes. Uh, it is a, a great big school to be yeah. here and learn how exactly to do that with everything that is going on in the world, um, especially right now. And I think that connecting and becoming aware of the stories that we hold inside is, uh, and then, you know, releasing and discharging stories that aren't serving us anymore as a way to bring us into that sacred connection with the world around us in a more aligned or meaningful way. So healing plays a huge role, right, Mari, when it comes to realizing that this interconnectedness of everything. Yeah, to me is, I used to think that, you know, material things, and the physical world and the spiritual world, they were separate, but they are not separate. Of course, everything that I look at, it, it feels spiritual to me, everything that, that's here. But there is something about the human mind, the human brain that creates this sense of independence. It's almost like feeling that we have this feeling that we are apart from everything else. And I know that this has been said that this is the term uses egotism, the ego. That's what the false self does. Do you see from the same, from those lens as well? Like, is that how you uh, interpret this idea of the ego? Yes, I would say so. Yeah, that there's a compartmentalization, it seems, with being human um, for whatever reason or whatever condition that has created that for us that, you know, Nature and animals don't see themselves as separate right. as a whole, but right. are. I think that we're highly sensitive, and I think that we're also, therefore, highly vulnerable to trauma, and yeah. mm. that we are socialized, you know, to, you know, continue to separate, or we can socialize and heal ourselves to return to that sacred connection. Yes. Well, I never heard it this way, Mari. Humans being sensitive, right, to suffering, to pain. How do you define trauma? I define trauma as an experience or set of experiences that were too much. Yeah. 
too much, too soon, too fast, or not enough of something. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, it's, it can lead to a stuckness in the body or a holding of that energy in the body, the survival energies that if it wasn't, you know, safe at the time to express or release oftentimes in maybe more primal ways that again, in society, it isn't um, seen at, you know, stigmatized to process our intense emotions um, where we didn't have the safe connections or attachments with others to hold that container for us. All of those energies get stored in our bodies and then they can grow or fester and create, you know, more, more issues or what we would call, you know, symptoms. Wow. Yes. And, and I was just kind of, I'm listening to you and reflecting upon this idea, the concept of trauma and even repression when we suppress and repress emotions and that, that happens a lot too. So it's something that we have no, we, ha- we don't have control over. It's just the body does it automatically. And so that doesn't make it easier for us, right, as humans to live, to, let's say, realize that the self and to find that spirituality within. I'm just going to reflect on that now. It really doesn't make it easier. I know it takes healing, of course, being open to be healed, that the healing process, which is not easy to, and some people, they just don't know how to do it. They are not ready. And I, I often wonder why we actually get used to pain and we stay where we are, because that happens a lot too, where, where people are not even open to grow anymore, to just um, stay there. How do you see that? Is there, I mean, I, I think about being ready, but do you, do you also see in the same way, do you see that as being ready or there's something also to do with perhaps lessons that we are not ready to learn in, in a spiritual sense? I think all of the above, but I also truly think that uh, when, the, when the body is given the right support and the right tools, mm-hmm. that it becomes easier to face, especially when we don't have to face something alone. Right. Like yeah. trauma, yeah. yeah I think people stay stay in their pain because they don't know that there's another option, or you know, the trauma um, cycle really creates frozenness and stuckness in the body. So it's very natural that when we, you know, experience pain, that we uh, retract or we constrict, or we withdraw, and um, that's in an order to stay you know, stay safe. And so until that experience of having some form of relative safety uh, with one who can be with you, that's non-judgmental, that's compassionate, that's in an acceptance. And, and I don't mean that from a cognitive place. I mean that from a deep felt sense in the body that um, the space around you can hold the material that needs to needs to heal that that that's my goal and that's what I try to offer to everybody is a, a hopefully a very very deep sense of um being able to come home to themselves and that they're that it's okay to do so wow yeah that's beautiful insightful beautiful and again very much needed I, I love the way you say that I read that on your website you have that on the first on the homepage, right in the front page, you say, witnessing another is one of the most profound acts of kindness and healing and healing possible. Yeah. And you just, I had, the, I had to have this here as a note because it, it felt true to me. So I guess another question is about, we'll be talking about brain spotting in a minute, but I wanted to ask you this question. What is your understanding of healing? And also, what's the ultimate goal of healing? And if it's not spirituality, what would that be? Because I know different people have different ideas. So healing is a return to balance. Or if you want to look at it in you know, body terms, we would call it homeostasis or sense of coherence or resonance again with uh, the world around us and within us. Healing is innate. Mm, yeah. Mm. Capacity of all beings. Um, I 
root into that belief every single day um, that when given the right resources that people's bodies and minds can heal mm, and yeah um, I don't think that it has to be spirituality for everyone I think that really? um, there's different dimensions of, of healing and they can be physical or emotional or mental or, or spiritual or all all of those um, and beyond and so depending on what people are seeking, that's mm. I try to aim for. Although I would say that yes, yeah. I through a, a very spiritual but also very physiological sense. Yes, and the interesting thing is that when we think about finding balance, coming to to that point, experiencing that within the body, for me, the sensation, the feeling was of happiness, of inner peace which we could be translated easily as a spiritual experience, right? When we feel happy and at peace. So I know we don't have to use the words. It's interesting how so many people, I know I have heard about, I'm sure you have it too, about spiritual trauma that people have been through that. And so many people have been traumatized because of basic religion and those ideas, those concepts of what spirituality is. So now they don't want to even hear the word spirituality or God or anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you work with some people with this kinds of fortunately issue, right? Became like a block in their lives. I do. Yeah, I do. And I try to meet them where they are. So this is, uh, I'm a big proponent of sovereignty and mm-hmm. yeah. letting people choose within themselves what is what is the meaning that they want to make out of the experience that they're having um, right. without prescribing something to them? Mm, mm, especially when they are vulnerable, right? In, the, in, the, in a position of um, being with therapist. Yes. Wow, that's a tough one for most of us. Um, for me, it has been. I'm becoming better with people around me, my family. Not trying to pass on what I, what I know. But the interesting thing about knowledge when we get to know certain things, that's that's the first impulse. That's the first, let's say, wish, desire, right, Mara, is to share, is to pass that on. But we need to be cautious, I guess, with some people. <laughs> we can't really. Yeah, I think I think sharing from our own space is, is welcome. Um, and it becomes different when we try to exude that onto someone else. Um, you know, to have them change or convert to it. So not having any hit, hidden agendas and truly accepting people for where where they are, what background they come from, what their story and history is, is uh, really crucial to that. Right. That's true. And a lot of times the best thing to do, I mean, my case is not even to use words for it, to just kind of be what I know instead of trying to pass that on. And that's something that I'm learning. It's not easy, <laughs> not easy. So let's talk about brain spotting. But before that, I want to mention that you're the founder of Awaken Consulting Services and you are a certified brain spotting trainer and consultant, somatic psychotherapist, licensed independent clinical social worker, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, Minnesota board approved supervisor. So I want to mention this before we talk about brain spotting. So that's an interesting topic and a very unique one. Don't remember the last time I talked to anyone about it. So the first question is an intuitive one, a basic one, of course. What is brain spotting? (laughs) Very basic. So brain spotting is a a form of somatic psychotherapy, uh, although it's open to uh, people who work outside of the psychotherapy field. So anyone who works in the healing professions can learn brain spotting and utilize brain spotting in their scope. And I find that to be an important statement to make so that um, people understand its ethos and where it comes from, that it isn't supposed to be, you know, sometimes we like, we see in our society that there's limitations for who can learn what and how to you know, offer healing to people, but I, I appreciate that the leadership in brain spotting has uh, 
has, you know, designed this to be accessible to people all over the world. And, um, you know, my mission is to help teach, teach as many people about brain spotting as I can, because I find it to be one of the most powerful tools, um, in my own toolbox. Um, and it's a part of my daily life. I think about it all day long, pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. it every day <laughs> and stay curious about, you know, everything that I'm experiencing with it, uh, either on the client end or on the, on the clinician end. But brain spotting is a, uh, a form of therapy that utilizes the somatic or felt sense of an experience and connects that with different eye positions that are relevant in the brain and in connection with that somatic experience. So if I can give you an example, when I'm working with clients, I, you know, will be in a, you know, starting a session and we'll be chatting about what they want to focus on, maybe checking in from the last week. And, um, we find out, oh, I'm having, you know, anxiety or I'm struggling with, you know, trauma or PTSD or depression or just, just about anything that has activation or charge. And so we will ask, uh, to, uh, have that person notice inside what's coming up for them, the, the sensory experience of that issue. And so maybe the person would say, oh, I feel this you know, uh, tightness in my chest and maybe I feel tears welling up in my eyes as I think about this memory or issue. And what we do then is we guide the client, uh, sometimes with gazing or sometimes with using a pointer that we, um, we call it. And we use a pointer to scan their line of sight. And we're looking for an experience that the client will have when they uh, are looking in their field of vision. Usually people find that in a certain spot, they feel that felt sense of the problem more strongly. So if I'm, you know, helping them scan the left side of their vision to the middle, to the right, uh, people will say, oh my gosh, I notice it more on this side or that side. And we find exactly where that spot is and what that spot is is called a brain spot if we were to you know, define what is a brain spot it's an area of relevance in the subcortical brain so the midbrain that's underneath the neocortex or our frontal lobe which you know, is how we have language and sequencing and critical thinking and judgment But our subcortical brain is actually where our emotions and our trauma and our ability to regulate, also the coordination of our movement and the coordination of our survival responses is organized all in the subcortex. The cool thing is that our eyes are directly connected to our subcortex through the Mm. optic. If we think about Mm. the of our eyes, you know, into our brain, Um, The optic nerve directly goes into that same region that focuses on uh, survival and emotional regulation. In fact, the the back of the eye, the retina, is actually made of brain cells. So our eyes are actually an extension of our brain. When we find this brain spot, um, what's happening inside the brain is that it's the location in the subcortex where that issue or that experience that the client is wanting to focus on actually lives. That's the theory is that we're actually locating where the, the file, so to speak, is where the brain is holding. Yes, all that information. And then from there, Mari, what's the process once it, the brain spot it's identified? Yeah, that's a great question. So the brain spot is like an access point or it's a a neurobiological anchor where we can actually begin to access the neurobiology of the the survival um, reflexes. So if you're having that tightness in your chest, right, that's a survival response. Mm -hmm. 
that mm, yeah. your body is signaling something is distressing and we need to move into fight, flight, freeze, bomb, or collapse. And um, so once we have located it, we invite our clients to keep their eyes on that spot. And what begins to happen is the second sort of step. And this is where we go back to what I was saying earlier about innate healing capacity. So every single living creature on this planet has the ability for homeostasis, for balance, for, for going back into a place of um, you know coherence and our blueprint, even in our DNA, is that you know feeling joyful, calm, grounded, you know, neutral or connected, present, you know, aware. That's our blueprint. Like when people are talking with us about struggling with something, what they're really saying underneath is that, hey, I have this issue and I know I want to be feeling mm-hmm. calm or happy or, you know, at peace, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. The blueprint yeah. is already there that their system knows where it wants to go but it needs assistance to get there what happens when we hold on a brain spot is that the subcortical brain uh, begins to reorganize the material it somewhat feels like meditation sometimes but not always or it can also feel hypnotic although it's not hypnotherapy or hypnosis but when we go into that area of the deep brain our you know, language and kind of neocortical way of thinking, you know, in our present day and time when we're trying to solve a problem, it's different. In the subcortex, there isn't time and space the way that um, we think about it in a linear way. Uh, That's why when we get activated about issues, you know, in our present time um, might feel so intense because it's reminding us of something that happened a long time ago but the subcortical brain doesn't know the difference between back mm. then and now. Mm. Yeah. So when we keep our eyes there, um, the body begins to, and we're guiding the client to keep noticing their sensations, their sensory experience, whatever is coming up. And as we help them to do that, the system begins to, t- to discharge those held survival stuck energies those reflexes and we see this dance between the sympathetic nervous system and the nervous system as the person begins to head back towards that homeostatic capacity so it's really really powerful and language is not as important in brain spotting so it can be a wonderful therapy for people who don't necessarily want to talk about the trauma uh, and what it has a very powerful you know, way of doing is getting people in their bodies into their, their felt sense experience. Um, and that's where trauma lives. It's not something that's cognitive all the time. Our thinking brain can pull us, you know, out or through, through that. It is actually through metabolizing the energy and the emotions that we actually can naturally go back to that place of homeostasis or healing. Sounds incredibly helpful and insightful to me. And I have heard about a lot about EMDR. That's mm-hmm. something that's it's a method that's very common, as you know. So I guess why have haven't we heard about brain spotting as much? And what is the difference, Mari, between brain spotting and EMDR? Mm-hmm. So brain spotting is fairly new. It's uh-huh. uh, we just celebrated our twentieth anniversary this March, uh-huh. and uh, it takes you know thirty, forty plus years for therapies to become well known or based. Mm. So I think uh-huh. we're on that path. Yeah, and I would also say that brain spotting um, ha- follows a very different approach. That's that's quite different from our Western way of thinking, although it is highly, highly neuroscience backed and based. Um, there's, you know, research that's uh, coming out, you know, continuously about 
brain spotting and how it works in the brain. And it's been all, you know, pretty powerful results. Um, brain spotting also as a, as a community breaks away from the systemic oppressive ways of thinking about therapy. Right. It's very pathologizing. We don't see Mm. uh, people's issues or traumas as, um, you know, maladaptive behaviors, but they're actually adaptations to stress. Mm. And we also believe in the client being the leader and that we are in a place of uh, working with someone that we're actually following their nervous system and their own innate uh, healing capacity to trust their brains and their bodies. Their brain will know more about them than I ever will what it's like to be them so there's a humility piece and i think that um, a lot of psychotherapists including myself when we were in training or schooling and just with the dogma and the paradigm that, that we're in that i'm seeing we're shifting you know through there's a lot of you know needing to be certain needing to be an expert needing to know the answer uh, for the client and you know directing them and so i think it's potential um lack of visibility is because that it it kind of goes against or defies some of the rules that we have in our schooling and our training about what does it mean to be a therapist um and it means that we need to be in uncertainty right mm-hmm. when we could never truly know what is actually inside of a person's you know brain and body fully the brain is uh, the subcortical brain especially works 10 times faster than our our frontal lobe does. Uh-huh. So even if you do, you know, intervene uh, verbally in a brain spotting session, oftentimes the subcortical brain has already moved on because it's 10 times faster than by the time you've said something, you know. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, you know, to answer that question. And then the difference between EMDR and brain spotting. So Dr. David Grand is who discovered brain spotting. And I say discovered because it's not something that was, you know, created. He discovered it. He was an EMDR therapist um, and in the high ranks of EMDR as a trainer. And um, it was during an EMDR session that brain spotting was discovered as he was working with a young woman he noticed every time he was um, doing the bilateral, you know, movement, um, and she was moving her eyes, you know, back and forth, left and right, that there was this one spot every time he went across um, with the eye movement that he would see this little freeze or wobble in her eye at the same place over and over again. And for for whatever reason, that day twenty years ago, he decided to actually hold his. Um, his fingers in front of her right where that reflex was with the little wobble. What happened was that uh, a huge torrent of trauma material like suddenly came up for her as, as he was holding the eye position there. And um, she was an ice skater and she struggled with this jump called the triple loop. So they'd been working together for about a year or so weekly 90 minutes doing EMDR, working on performance and other, you know, issues from her childhood. And when, um, you know, they did this session, there was a lot of material that emerged and things that they had already thought that they had processed and cleared through EMDR kind of came up again, but at a deeper layer. Mm. And I think afterwards they sort of looked at each other and they were like, what in the world was that? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, the next day, she actually called him um, after her ice skating practice and said that she landed the triple loop and she never had the issue with it ever again. So that's where brain spotting grew out from uh, to what it is now, which we have, you know, four phases of training and masterclass and uh, lots and lots of specialty trainings and applications, um, with, you know rigorous study that David Grant has done and, and trained other people to also, you know, provide the, the, the learnings to the rest of the community. 
But I would say that there's some pretty big differences between EMDR and brain spotting. One is that, you know, EMDR prescribes to some like protocol protocols and brain spotting does not. We're not protocol based. We are frame based. And so a frame is everything that the client is bringing in and everything that I'm bringing in to the session, all of who I am and all of what that means and like the same thing for them. And we also trust, um, you know, instead of like being as directive as you might be in EMDR, like, okay, it's time to, you know, work on, you know, resourcing, and then we're going to work on negative cognitions, and then we're going to work on positive cognitions. It's, it's very um, kind of cortical and almost linear in a way of going through these steps. In brain spotting, it's much more organic. We work what, uh, what the the client is giving to us or, you know, what the frame is offering to us, um, whatever is present. And uh, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we're not paying attention to does the client need more grounding or um, support in order to process something that's very difficult for them. We absolutely do that. Um, but it isn't based on a protocol of like, we need to go through steps one through five before you can get through six. It's it's very organic. And the other piece I would say that is absolutely foundational to brain spotting that I have not seen in other therapies is its um, deep, deep reverence and focus on attunement. And that's a relationship of having, building a relationship with a client, but also <clears throat> having the, the, neurobiological attunement our ability to attach or connect to other people starts in utero and our attachment pathways in our brain are the strongest neural networks that we have and when we have trauma they're often disrupted so our goal when we're in a session is to provide a very, very deep sense of presence to our clients. And it's that presence that allows them to know that they're being witnessed, that they're being seen, that they're being supported, and that uh, myself as a therapist, I'm almost like the guardian of the space as they go and travel into the to the depths of their, uh, their stories that they know I'm going with them and that I'm going to be there um, no matter what happens. There's not can't figure out together and that's a it's a powerful force of love frankly to offer to people so I, I think those are some of the core differences uh and then you know the science piece we're not necessarily doing eye movement we're doing focal eye position so what I what I've seen and what you know the research is showing is that the held eye position goes very, very deep into the subcortex and it also allows for faster and deeper resolution of things. Um, while the eye movement does help a lot of people, I'm not here to say EMDR is not good or one thing's better than the other. I'm a huge proponent of uh, different tools work for different people and they all have a place in the world. Um, but some of the, you know, the key pieces is that we're we're focusing on a held eye position, which allows the brain to access the issue. It allows the uh, subcortical brain to reorganize and release and discharge uh, past survival energies that are ready to be let go of. And um, the it seems to go much deeper than um, with eye movement, the resolution and the how deep it goes into people's memories, people's histories and stories. Oftentimes we start a session with something that's happening in present time and we end up working, you know, on layers of people's childhoods and early memories because that's how fast it can often bring things up. Wow, what's not to love about this brain spotting? And I didn't know anything about it. I'm just kind of surprised of the process. It's, I love that it's, organic. And I also love what you mentioned about being open. So there's something about 
creating, of course, that that space of love, of safety. But there's also room from what I see from you, what I hear of curiosity. So it's not just following protocols, but, you know, what can I be open to? What, you know, it's that constant openness to question, to dance per se, with what is present. Mm-hmm. So that's incredible. And it makes sense to me what you said earlier too about the popularity of brain spotting not being as popular and it's not known because th- there is a sense, most people have that sense of we want to control my right, processes. There's a lot of that happening still. I think we're starting to move away from that. And yeah, wonderful. <laughs> it has been great, you know, gaining a lot of um, a lot of awareness. There was an article recently in Forbes about brain spotting yeah. and yeah. We have over 30,000 therapists or clinicians uh, trained all over the world now. Mm, yeah. So it's, um, I think it's, it's here to stay and it's here to grow. And if I could, you know, teach everybody about the power of their eyes. Mm. Um, I, that's my goal is to help many people learn about how the healing is already inside of them and we can access it. Um, we'll be living in a very different world if we know how our neurobiology works. Right. Yes. Thank you so much again, Mari, mm-hmm. uh, for being open, for being, for doing what you do. It's sacred work to me. So, oh, I have, we're almost at the end and I have so many questions here still. I want to mention, I read the article you sent to me, mentioned that brain spotting is not only for trauma, so it is very effective with complex trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, treat anxiety, depression, and obsessive compulsive disorders. But also it's it could be used actually to resolve feelings of self-doubt, feeling anxiety in general. So many people feel anxious. It might not be anxiety as the disorder, the condition, but it's feeling anxious. And then I surprisingly, it's also great for identify barriers to success, what's blocking us. And then also athletes, as you mentioned, the skaters. So that's another one that caught my attention. But also they mentioned for creative artists and creatives. It's really helps with performance enhancement when it comes to creative expression, unlocking that. So that just surprised me. I had no idea. I thought it was just for therapeutic means. So it is for everyone, right, Mari? Just about. If you have a brain, you can brain spot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> Our eyes are already yeah. already brain spotting all the time. <laughs> yes. And stared off yeah. into space and you were looking at a certain spot, that's brain spotting. Mm, how amazing. Yeah, your brain's using the eyes to orient and access information that's within itself. And we use brain spotting to um, not just focus on, you know, negative experiences that we've had, but to grow beyond it, to, you know, reach the heights that we want to go to. So if you're, you know, a performer or a speaker or an athlete or, you know, something that you're wanting to create, you can actually, you know, access the felt sense of the desired state you want to live in and find a brain spot that connects to that and make it grow bigger, stronger, more real inside um, so that you can, you can fulfill that potential that you're seeking. So it, it, it works for, for stress. It works for trauma. It works for performance enhancement. Um, I would say that it's also very powerful for spirituality. Like for me, when I meditate, I uh, look at a, a brain spot that connects me to my uh, creator, where I feel the most connected to um, the the spirit realm. And so it's uh, it's it's really really powerful. Our subcortex is actually the seat of create creativity, our instincts, our spirituality. So I, that's what I love so much about brain spotting is that it's so, so vast, it's applications, and it's also integrative. So if you're you know, practicing in another modality, you can blend brain spotting into just about everything that you do. Yes, that's wonderful to know too. So 
It doesn't have to be only brain spotting. It can be integrated with other modalities, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, great to know. Pieces and parts of it, or you can do it as a standalone uh, treatment or an offering. You can take the philosophies of it. You know, there's, it's very open. Yes, I love the philosophy. <laughs> of course, I would, li- I would love to try too, right? The, the brain spotting, but wow, I absolutely love the way you speak of brain spotting. It's just so spiritual to me. My heart opens. So there's something, the philosophy is just beautiful. It attracts me uh, and attracted me immediately when I read that too. But not as I heard from you, you're very clear on how it works to connect us to the deeper parts of ourselves, which I call spiritual. Wow, that's beautiful. I have the ending questions, but before that, Mari, I have this curiosity. So the subcortex, it's not related to the subconscious mind, is it? I would say it is, yes. Ah, it is. Okay. It's actually one and the same somehow or close related? The subconscious uh, likely lives in the subcortical region, you know, the things that are right underneath the surface of our, our prolific awareness, right? That it's, it's hiding sort of right below. And it, it is that felt sense oftentimes um, that actually controls a lot of how we feel and operate in the world, uh, but we don't always have access to. So yeah, the subcortical region would, would be, I believe where the sub subconscious, you know, and, Perhaps the unconscious is mm, there as yeah. well, and the and yeah. brainstem where our autonomic processes are. So the spirit, the psychology, and mm. the all can finally get along. Hopefully, <laughs> <laughs> yes. See, we need that too. <laughs> this the union, right, of everything as an expression of life itself. I know that it's easy to be afraid, right, when we don't know. So. I love the idea of exploring more and more and more. And it doesn't matter to me if it is called science or spirituality. As long as I am able to see clear and I'm able to feel more peace within myself, then that's it. It is working. So thank you so much again for doing this, for doing what you do, for bringing this knowledge with so much clarity to us. I had no idea. So that would be wonderful to just share this information. I'm sure there are a lot of... I. I talked to so many therapists and they, they have not mentioned, but it would be wonderful for them to know. And this is, um, maybe that's why I do what I, this to this kind of work. Yes. To absolutely. get the word out. I appreciate it very much. Uh, thank you. So before we say goodbye for today, I, I ask you this, the last questions. Is there anything that you left unsaid, Mari, about brain spotting? Any questions that I didn't ask? I know I didn't ask the, the question about children. Can we use brain spotting with children? That's another question. Yes, you can use brain spotting with children. We have some specialists who actually work with infants even. Ah, wow. Yeah. We have people who work with animals. Um, yeah, ah, really? <laughs> so That's amazing, yes. Very accessible and um, I would yeah. say it can work for just about most people. Um, if you have, for some for some populations, you might need some other training and be working in your scope, but you can pieces and parts of brain spotting as well, like I mentioned. Um, I think just to lastly say that if you are someone who's been feeling stuck and you've tried a lot of different things, um, or if you know that, you know, you're not where you want to be, um, to really give brain spotting a try because it is really powerful and um, it gets to the core, like often the reflexive survival-based core of, of where our issues lie. And if you're a clinician who's been working with folks and you're, you're sensing that you're wanting to add something to your toolbox um, to support the folks that you're, you're working with that, uh, this is a pretty amazing and accessible modality to add, whether you're a doctor or a physical therapist or a body worker or a, a shamanic practitioner or a, a coach or a, a psychotherapist. It's uh, it's something to, to really connect with how our nervous system actually operates and to harness this phenomenon that we're already doing. We're all looking around as we're thinking, looking at 
places. What we're doing now is taking that to a whole new level where we can um, create resolution uh, within ourselves with things that uh, are out of alignment with us. Yes, yes, a billion times to that. Do you see clients online? First, are you open to new clients? And do you see them remotely and in person or only in person, Mark? Um, I do both. I do remote and in person. I actually have a wait list right now through June of next year. So, um, and I practice therapy in a different way. I do intensives. So I stopped doing hourly therapy every week uh, a few years ago. And uh, I have an intensive model where Clients come and work with me for one to five days, and we're doing brain spotting and other somatic work and other spiritual work, um, you know, for five or six hours in a day. So um, I have a wait list for that, but I also teach brain spotting trainings. Um, mm, yeah, and, uh, have a, a schedule for for next year, usually with at least one training a month. So. Right. You're happily busy <laughs> with this work. Wonderful. Uh, busy. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I'll have your website on this interview page. So it's wakenconsultingservices.com. Uh, did I miss anything? Are you also on social media, Mari? On I am. Facebook. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Uh, and I have a YouTube channel that's getting up and running. So mm. feel free to connect with me or reach out if if you want. Wonderful. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. So my last question before uh, we end a wonderful conversation for today, I'll ask you this one. I usually ask everyone this question for some reason. Um, what three experiences you wish everyone to have before they lose the body, before they die? I wish for people to have an experience of peace. Um, I wish for people to have an experience of unity and connection with themselves and the world around them and for for people to truly know how loving the universe is. Um, how beautiful. Thank you so much again for your presence, for sharing timeless wisdom. Uh, thank you for being you. Thank you so much, Mari. So we'll talk again. Take good care of yourself for now. We'll talk soon. We'll be in touch again. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Maria Javid Payne and her work, please visit awakenconsultingservices.com. more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.